Hebrews 12:14 Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace. Have you ever followed peace? How fast does peace go? What's a safe distance? Is that what the word follow means? No, you may have a cross-reference. If you have a reference Bible, you might see in there the word uh, defined for you. And that word really means to pursue. To pursue. To seek after eagerly. To earnestly endeavor to acquire. Follow or pursue peace with all men. That's an interesting concept. And if you really just pause to think about it, you have a lot of ideas come to mind. A lot of thoughts will come to mind. Well, who's all men? You mean everybody? How do you pursue peace with, well, that guy or that lady? That would be impossible. How, how do I do this? Well, this is not the only place in Scripture that says this and gives this instruction. Remember, these are these exhortations here that are being given to the Hebrew believers, obviously to us also. But here, he's encouraging them, he's exhorting them, of course, to endure, to persevere. And in this, to pursue peace. What did Jesus say? Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. When we think of the word peacemaker, if a Colt 45 comes to mind, then <laughs> you have the wrong idea. Now, I, they, they call that gun the peacemaker for a different reason. Okay, Eliminating your threat is not always the best avenue to peace, okay? But a peacemaker, a lot of times we think about peace and we think of, well, peace is what? The absence of uh, struggle, the absence of strife. And we think about it negatively. But actually, when we think about peace, we should be thinking about it more positively, the cultivation of harmony. Peace. Let me just give you a few references here by way of introduction. Back in Psalm 34 and verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. In Paul's epistle to the Romans, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18, Romans 12, 18, Paul said this, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, or as far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. In other words, strive to live peaceably with others. If it be possible. That 
Those, I'm glad those words are there. Okay. Obviously, to live peaceably with someone is a two-way street, is it not? Yes, it is. There are some people with whom you just will not be able to make peace, try as you might. But regardless, you are to try as you might. And this is what Paul says here. He says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Not only there in Romans, but also in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul speaking there of his own testimony in verse 33. He's just said in verse 31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Then verse 32, he says this, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Give none offense. What does he mean by that? Listen, live peaceably. Don't. Don't try to offend, or as we would say, try not to offend. <clears throat> and he says, he uses himself as an example, verse 33. He says, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. What I find interesting in this verse is there's a motive given here. In the other verses we've just looked at, Pursue peace. If it's possible, live peaceably with all men. Paul says, here's why I am striving not to give offense to the Jews, to the Gentiles, or to the church of God. Why is it? Why is it that the believer should strive to live peaceably with even the unpeaceable, or with all men? He says here that they may be saved. Talk about that later. Galatians, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. Paul says this As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. It's part of living peaceably, doing good. In 1 Thessalonians, 3 and verse 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12. Paul says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. Speaking of believers, obviously there. And toward all men, even as we do toward you. In the same book, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Paul says, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good. That word follow there again, pursue. That which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Finally, in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24. Here are 
qualifications for the servant of the Lord. Paul is instructing Timothy as a young pastor, and he's giving him these instructions. Verse 24, he says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, must not strive, must not quarrel, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Some of the qualifications there. Gentle to all men. Back to Hebrews chapter 12. Pursue or follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I look at that verse and I see that it says that I am to be pursuing peace with all men. Well, in my own mind, I think of all men and they fall into two categories. All men are either saved or lost. If they're saved, well, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so when he says that we are to pursue peace with all men, I understand that the Bible is instructing me to pursue peace, to follow after peace with believers. And that makes sense. I mean, you cannot read the Scriptures and not come away with the without a clear indication as to how we are to interact with one another. In Jesus teaching His disciples in the book of John, John chapter 15, what did He tell His disciples? How would people know that they were His disciples? What would be their primary, um, what would be the primary indicator? What testimony? What would it be? And in John chapter 15, In verse 12, he says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. In verse 17, These things I command you, that ye love one another. And so as believers, we're commanded to love one another. In 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, the same message. And it's not just there, it's throughout the New Testament, but 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. <clears throat> For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning that we should love one another. And he says in the next verse, not like Cain. What kind of an illustration is that? Not like Cain, who what? Well, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. Why did he kill his brother? Well, it tells you there. He killed his brother because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. He goes on from there to describe how if you do what is righteous, the world will hate you. Why did Cain hate his brother? You think about that. That's a very, very clear indication here of how righteousness and unrighteousness um, really don't coexist. And Cain killed his brother, and it wasn't because Abel had nicer things or everybody liked Abel and he was, you know, Cain was just bullied as a child. No. Why did Cain kill his brother? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. And that made him angry. He was convicted. 
<clears throat> now, peace with brethren. How do we have peace with brethren? How do we pursue peace with brothers and sisters in Christ? I mean, we're all so different. We have different interests. We have different personalities. You know, we, you, you know, you go out there in the world, you're in the workplace, and there's just some people that it's easier to talk to. Some people it's very difficult to talk to. Some people just don't talk. Some people don't shut up. You can't talk. You know, all kinds of people out there with all kinds of different likes, dislikes, personalities, hobbies. And so what do we tend to do? We tend to gravitate to those with similar interests. We tend to gravitate to those with similar likes, personalities that we like to be around. But in the body of Christ here, if we are going to pursue peace, we need to recognize what it is that we have in common. And what is it that we have in common? Well, we call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ because we are part of the same family. We have the same Father. And therefore, we are united. And what do we have in common? Christ. We have Him in common. And so the church actually becomes a wonderful picture to the world of how people are supposed to, what? Get along. How people are supposed to function in a peaceful and loving manner. Because as believers, we have something in common. And that which we have in common is what unites us. And it's Christ. The world is divided into all kinds of factions and fractions. We see that even as we live today. Oh, it's, it's, it's awful. We call them the United States of America. But there's not much unity here. It's a lot of division, a lot of strife, hardly any peace. But in the church... The church is a sanctuary. It is a haven of rest here on this earth when we come together. And why is it that way? Because we are pursuing peace. We're to pursue peace with one another. And of course, the scripture is clear <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 18. God gives instructions in his word on how believers deal with problems. Because just because we have Christ in common does not mean that we're perfect. And it does not mean that we're not going to have to work at peace. Remember, he didn't say, just let peace happen. He didn't say, give peace a chance. He didn't say, visualize peace. He says, pursue it. Follow after. Peace is elusive to those who do not pursue it. Peace is elusive to those who do not pursue it because if you're not pursuing peace, you won't have it. Peace is something we have to work at. The enemy of peace is uh, self, self-interest. And the Bible talks about how selfish we are. 
In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, every one, each one of us, to our own way. And what happens when everybody goes their own way? Well, there are a lot of collisions. In the Old Testament, we read about in the days of Noah, and it says there that every man did what? Every man did that which was right in his neighbor's eyes? No. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And how did the world end up? Well, it was not a peaceful place at all. Everyone was only looking out for themselves. Can you imagine if we all drove like that? Yeah. Well, it would be the guy with the tank would win because he'd run over everybody else. Okay. And so peace is something that we have to pursue. Peace is something that is elusive if we don't pursue it. And so we're commanded to pursue peace. Pursue peace with all men in the, in the brotherhood, in the body of Christ. We're to take care of offenses. And how does the Bible tell us to do that? Matthew chapter 18. Hey, if you go to bring your offering to the Lord, there you are, you're going to sit down and spend your time in the Word with the Lord, and there as you get ready to read His Word, or while you're reading His Word, He brings to mind, hey, someone has ought against you. What does He say? He says, stop what you're doing. Go be reconciled to your brother. Then come back and we'll talk. Okay. That's how concerned the Lord is that we pursue peace with one another. He says, if you're bringing your gift to the altar, you're coming to worship me, and you know that your brother has out against you, then you stop what you're doing, leave your gift where it is. Don't even offer it. You go make things right with your brother. Then come and offer your gift, and it'll be accepted. That's how serious the Lord is about us pursuing peace. Pursuing peace. Now, you notice there in Matthew 18, you know, we, I didn't have you turn there, but we've, we've looked at that. You've looked at that many times. It says, if your brother has ought against you, you go to him. But it also says, if you have done something against your brother, you go make it right. And so the... The responsibility is there on both parties. Both parties are responsible for doing what? For pursuing peace. Say, well, I didn't do anything wrong, so I don't have to do anything. You're wrong right there in your attitude. Okay? Peace, the pursuit of peace, is something that takes both parties. That's why in as much as is in you, the peace of believe with all men. In the body of Christ, each one of us should be pursuing peace. And if we are, there will be peace if we are obedient. But not just peace with brethren. He says in this verse, follow or pursue peace with all men. All men. And this is where, it really, the rubber meets the road. Because... We live near, and you work around 
all men, all kinds of people. Some of them, and, and, and some of them are uh, much more fun to be with. It does not take you long when you go to a new job to determine who you like and who you really don't care for. How do we have peace with all men? Peace with the world. Um, when I'm speaking of the world, I'm speaking about humanity. How can we pursue peace with those who are opposed to God? How do we do that? Because if they're opposed to God, they're going to be opposed to us. Eventually, when the Bible warns that we're going to suffer persecution if we live godly lives. So how can we be pursuing peace? Well, the Bible gives us plenty of examples. The first one that ought to come to your mind is the parable that Jesus gave to the young man who asked him this question. And who is my neighbor? Remember, this rich young ruler came to the Lord and said, you know, what, what do I need to do? And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He goes, well, all right, who is my neighbor? And if I were to ask you today, well, who are your neighbors? You'd say, well, I've got one across the street. I've got one on each side. Nah, there's the guy in the backyard, too. I don't ever see him because we got trees back there, so, eh, probably not really a neighbor, but I guess he could count, so. Four. Four neighbors. That's it. That's my neighbor. Okay. <clears throat> or, we said, well, I, I live out in a rural area, and there's really nobody close to me. They're a mile apart, so I guess the verse doesn't apply. I have no neighbors. <laughs> I don't have to love anybody. Farmers, most unloving people in the world. They just don't live by anybody, right? They're just by themselves. No, that's not what Jesus was talking about. He's not talking about proximity of, you know, your neighborhood. He gives the story there of the Good Samaritan. Of course, you know the story. The man traveling on the road to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who robbed him and beat him and left him for dead. There he was laying off to the side of the road, by and by, a priest came by, a religious man, a man of the cloth, came by and as he saw the man gasping for air, bleeding, he kind of walked on the other side of the road and kept going. He had a meeting to get to, I guess, or whatever. Maybe he didn't want to get his priestly robes dirty, but he ignored the man, ignored his plight. First of all, came a Levite. A Levite. Who was a Levite? Well, he was one of the tribe of Levi, but he was one responsible for teaching the people the law. He knew the word of God. Another religious man came by, and he saw the, the wounded man lying there in grave need of help. And what did he do? Well, he passed by on the other side. That's not my problem. I've got other things to, to do today. And then, of course, along came the third man, 
and he was a Samaritan. The wounded man was a Jew. Samaritans and Jews did not pursue peace with one another. They didn't like each other. They avoided one another. They did not speak well of each other. But here came this Samaritan. He sees this man laying there in his blood, in grave need of help, and he stopped. And he had compassion on him. And he bound up his wounds, took him to a hotel or took him to a place where he could be helped. He said, listen, here's, gave the innkeeper money and says, here's pay for him. You make sure he has what he needs to get better. And on my way back, if he stayed longer than I paid for, if I owe you any money, I'll pay that bill. You just keep a record of it. Wow. Now, and then Jesus asked the question, who was neighbor to the wounded man? See, we talk about loving our neighbors. We think of neighbors as objects. And Jesus turned his object lesson into instruction on how to be a neighbor. He goes, who was neighbor to that man? It was the Samaritan. And he didn't live next door to the Jew that was beat up on the road. So how did he become his neighbor? What is a neighbor? If we're to pursue peace with all men, we can think of, well, it's sure I can pursue peace with believers, those whom I agree with, and we're on the same page, we're in the family of God, and yes, of course there are struggles there, but glad to do that. But what about the rest of the world? The instruction that Jesus gave was that we are to be neighbors. We are to be neighborly. We are to pursue peace with all men. And here this Samaritan reached out and he met the need of the man into whose company he came. Who are we to pursue peace with? We are to pursue peace with all men, with those whom God brings within our sphere of contact. You cannot pursue peace with someone you never meet. How are you going to pursue peace with them? Okay, so who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is the person with whom you come into contact. Your neighbor's at work. Your neighbor's in your neighborhood. Maybe neighbor's in your extended family. But these are the people with whom we are to pursue peace. Follow peace with all men. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 16... <clears throat> Acts 24 and verse 16, Paul said this. He's giving, his, he's giving his testimony. And as he, as he speaks, <clears throat> he says this in verse 16. He says, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and Toward men. A conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. And this is something that Paul says, I exercise myself. I have to work at. That is pursuing peace. 
having a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Why are we to pursue peace with those around us, specifically those who are unbelievers? Why do we pursue peace? Well, remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33. He says that they might be saved. A bad reputation hinders a good testimony. A bad reputation hinders your testimony. How are you going to be able to draw others to Christ and to show them the love of Christ if you're not pursuing peace? What is our objective? In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 7, it's an interesting verse. Proverbs 16, verse 7. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, that is a proverb. And what that means is this is a principle It does not mean that if you are godly, all the world will love you. We know that's not the truth. Because the Bible says, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. However, what this verse says is that the man whose ways please the Lord will not cause offense, unnecessary offense to those around him. There is the offense of the gospel. There is the offense of righteousness. As Abel found out, Cain killed him. But Cain had no reason to kill his brother. Abel had not given him a reason to kill his brother. Abel had not done anything to offend his brother. He had not sinned against his brother. He was righteous. Cain was not. The Bible says that when it speaks of the fruit of the Spirit... The very end of that list says, against such there is no law. There's no law against love. There's no law against joy. There's no law against long-suffering, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, kindness. There's no law against these things. In fact, That's kind of what they hope the law would bring about. It doesn't. But there's no law against pursuing peace. Because of that, when a man's ways please the Lord, his enemies have nothing bad to say about him. Remember Daniel in the Old Testament? God blessed him. Daniel was faithful. He had an excellent spirit. And he rose through the ranks under several different kings. There he was under Darius. And he was one of the vice presidents, except he was the head of the vice presidents. And all the other vice presidents were a little bit jealous. 
Well, not just a little bit jealous. They were very jealous of Daniel. And they were looking for a way to trap him. They wanted him out of there. Somehow they're going to get him. And they could find nothing in his character with which to condemn him. He was void of offense toward God and toward man. And so they could find nothing except concerning the law of his God. And so what did they do? They very subtly went to the king and had him sign a decree that said that no one for 30 days should pray to anyone or make any request to any other God save the king. And that's how they would trap Daniel. Listen, that's the only thing they could pin on him was that he was faithful to his God, so they made that illegal. And then, yes, he broke the law. He still prayed as he did at other times. And of course, you know the story, God delivered him. But what's the point? The point there was that Daniel walked with the Lord. He walked in such a way and pleased the Lord that even his enemies were at peace with him. They were. There was nothing they could do to accuse him. They had to make up something. And they did. But it wasn't because Daniel had spoken harshly to them or unkind or had gossiped about them or tried to undercut them to get his way to the top. No. Daniel pleased the Lord. Do you, don't you find it interesting that here in this verse in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, it says, follow peace with all men and what? and holiness. Pursue peace. But in your pursuit of peace, pursue holiness. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Pursuing holiness. As we are to pursue peace with all men, we are to pursue holiness. Now, I find it interesting that this is put in with this verse, not just pursuing peace, but also pursuing holiness. Because there's a temptation. If we are going to pursue peace, and we're going to pursue peace with all those around us, all men, not just those of the household of faith, but if we're going to pursue peace with ungodly men, there'll be a temptation to do what? Well, to get along with them, I'm going to have to what? Be like them, right? So maybe if I would compromise a few areas in my life, then I could get along better with my neighbors. Maybe if I wasn't quite so righteous, they would like me better. But we must never sacrifice holiness to preserve peace. We must never sacrifice holiness to escape persecution. As we are pursuing peace with all men, we are at the same time to be pursuing holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We are to pursue holiness. What does God say? Be ye holy as I am holy. God desires holiness in His children. What is pursuing holiness? How do we pursue or chase after 
strive for? How do we strive for holiness? Well, what is, what is holiness? Really, it's living a life of ever-increasing devotion to the Lord. Pursuing. Pursuing holiness. Remember what Paul said? He says, I am following after. I am striving to attain. I'm not there yet. The pursuit of holiness is a lifelong chase. Okay, It is a lifelong pursuit. We will not reach perfection in this life, but we are to be growing every day, growing in Christ's likeness, growing more and more like Him, pursuing holiness. Of course, the more that we study the Scriptures and the more we seek to be like Christ, the more we're going to take note of how He lived. And how did he pursue peace with all men? Because he did. And he gave us an excellent, perfect example to follow. And how did Jesus respond? How did he respond when he was pursuing peace with all men? How did he treat those who persecuted him? How did he treat those who were um, injuring him, seeking his harm? Pursuing holiness is to live a life of increasing devotion to God. It is pursuing Christ-likeness. Pursuing holiness is to serve Him, to promote His interests, and to advance His glory, to make it clear that we belong to Him. Remember, the enemy of Hebrews 12.14 is self The enemy of peace is not your neighbor. It's first you. It's me. The enemy of peace is self. Now, same is true for your neighbor, but we're not talking to your neighbor. You're not answering for your neighbor, and you have no control over your neighbor. You're responsible for you. And the command is not tell your neighbor to pursue peace with you. It's you pursue peace with all men. Pursue peace with all men. Of course, Jesus warned his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. He said to them, Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. There will be persecution. He said the same thing in Mark 13. He said it in also in Luke uh, chapter 21 and verse 17. Again, this message, it was not, he didn't say it just once. He was talking about, as they go out, be ministering. He says, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 26. Luke chapter 6 and verse 26. There's a warning. As we are seeking peace, pursuing peace with all men, there's a warning. And it is this, Luke 6, 26, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. 
if all men speak well of you, there's something wrong with you. That's what that verse says. Jesus has warned us, the scriptures warn us clearly that if we will live righteously, if we will live godly lives, we're going to suffer persecution. Let's go back to my former illustration. Remember Daniel. Did everybody love Daniel? No. Did everybody speak well of Daniel? No. Not those people who hated him, who were jealous of him. Beware when all men speak well of you. And what's implied there is if all men speak well of you, then you must have compromised your character. In the pursuit of peace, holiness cannot be sacrificed. And in fact, even, in, even among brethren, there are times when peace will not be found. Did you know that? There will be times among brethren when peace will not be found. And Paul gives a great warning in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6. Paul said this. I have a wrong reference down here. 2 Thessalonians 2.6. I'll have to get the right reference for you. I did that. But the verse says this. It is not... 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 6. But it speaks of brethren who walk disorderly. And from them you are to withdraw. Withdraw. 3, 6. Thank you. I have to correct that. I'm a chapter off. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Okay. Verse 7 says, For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power or the right, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. And then he talks about those who wouldn't work. They should not eat. Lazy, loafers, leeches, parasites. Okay, He says here, Withdraw yourself from every brother that would walk disorderly. Remember the scripture says, pursue peace. As much as in you is, live peaceably with all men. Do your best. But even in the body of Christ, there will be some who will not have peace, who will not walk orderly, who will be rebellious. And he says from such, withdraw yourself. Get them out of your company. They should not be there. And on the other hand, 
in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I don't know why I wrote down chapter 2. But chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, look at verse 2. He's encouraging the brethren. He says, pray for us, in verse 1, that the Lord, the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Is it possible to have peace with all men? No. No. But don't let it be your fault that there's not peace. Let it not be because of your selfishness. Let it not be because of your bad behavior that there's not peace. You pursue peace. You pursue peace with all men. Pursue peace with brothers and sisters in Christ. And yes, the church is a body of believers. We're all sinners. We have to fight against selfishness, self-indulgence. And of course, the scripture is clear on how we're to live, but we're to seek the welfare of others. We're to live like Christ lived. And in doing that, we are pursuing peace within the body of Christ. Nevertheless, not always will that peace be there because there will be some who walk disorderly and they will manifest themselves and they are to be withdrawn from. And there is that discipline within the body of Christ where occasionally someone who is unrepentant, refusing to do what's right, has to be removed. But let not that be you. You pursue peace. As you go to work, as you live in your neighborhood, you be the one who seeks peace. You be the one who bends over backward. We as believers ought to be the ones who are pursuing peace. Does that mean you will have peace with all your neighbors? No, it does not. But again, let it not be because of you. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see God. Listen, if we are pursuing holiness, then we will be pursuing peace. They go together. They go together. Because if we are walking with the Lord, when a man's ways please the Lord, even makes his enemies to be at peace with him. And again, that Proverbs is not saying that everyone will love you. Because the scripture is clear. If everyone does love you, uh, be careful. You've made some compromises. Okay? Because when you walk godly, you will experience persecution. But let us be encouraged here and follow the exhortation that is given in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12 and verse 14. Pursue peace. Are you pursuing peace or are you pursuing your own way? If you, pursue, if you are pursuing your own way, there's not going to be much peace. Even in the family, when is the peace broken? Well, it only takes one selfish person to break the peace. Okay? But we're to pursue peace. Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Not going to go on today, but the next verse goes right along with this. 
You can look at it this week. But looking diligently, taking great care, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Okay? This has to do with pursuing peace. It certainly does. Very practical. And we'll look at this more uh, next week. But you can look ahead and be prepared. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this verse and the encouragement and the exhortation that it gives us today to pursue peace. Lord, we realize that peace just doesn't happen, but it's something that we must pursue. It is something that we must work at. But Lord, in our pursuit of peace, may we be pursuing holiness, Christ-likeness. Lord, we thank you for the example of Christ who, Lord, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Lord, help us to pursue peace with all men. And Lord, help us to do so, so that we might give a good testimony, or that we might be a good representative of our Lord Jesus Christ in whose name we pray, amen.